Hey there, and welcome back to the Hair of the Dog podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Bagley, and in today's episode, we are digging into the lessons that I learned with a complete and total rehab of a rental house project. Now, I had no experience rehabbing houses. <laughs> this was new to me. We purposely got this house because it looked like it was just going to be a cosmetic update. Mm, it turned out it was a full rehab, um, but that's okay because I learned a lot of incredible lessons. And coincidentally, all of those lessons can be um, applied to lessons for our photography business or even just our photography craft. So anyway, stay tuned. This is an incredible episode. And I, of course, brought my friend Heather on so uh, we could dive into all of these lessons together. Enjoy. Welcome to the Hair of the Dog podcast. If you're a pet photographer ready to make more money and start living a life by your design, you've come to the right place. And now, your host, pet photographer, travel addict, chocolate martini connoisseur, Nicole Begley. Hey, everybody. Nicole here from Hair of the Dog. And I'm back once again with the one, the only, Heather Lautnan. Welcome back to the podcast, Heather. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. My favorite days, I call them Nicole days. Here we are. Oh, <laughs> yep. Yep. And today is one of those. Um, spoiler alert. We are batching because we like productivity and we are about to record three podcast episodes. So I am hanging out all morning with my best buddy, Heather. I love it. This is going to be so fun. Okay. So what are we talking about first? What do we got? Okay. All right. So I did this as a super like quick seven minute Instagram live back in September. And I was like, this really needs to be expanded upon in the podcast. And I thought about just doing a solo episode, but quite frankly, solo episodes are really not that much fun. And I would much rather chat with you about these things. So we are diving deep into the five lessons that I learned rehabbing a rental house. Oh, wow. Okay. I love this because I'm very curious about real estate and having a rental house. And I love that you do everything first. <laughs> so you can figure out all of the issues and problems. And then if I decide to go that route, you can teach me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. No, um, real estate has been something we've been interested in for quite a while. And we've like dabbled in we um, have a rental house in Alabama that we purchased, oh gosh, six years ago, maybe. Uh, but that was kind of a turnkey rental purchase where we didn't do any of the rehab. We like mm. bought the house and started running it out. Um, and we chose Alabama because the numbers worked. And also they have very friendly landlord laws. I and, love Alabama, by the way. We travel through yeah. there at least once or twice a year. And I love it. I've actually never been. Never been to this You've house. Never been to your own rental no. house. No, <laughs> no, sure haven't. Okay, um, <laughs> that one's totally hands off then. A hundred percent. Well, and the new one is now. Now that the rehab's done, because we choose to hire property managers. Because I don't have space in my life for a two a.m. phone call about right. like something right. being broken. Yeah, that's um, my fear. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, there's ways to work around that. <laughs> which is a not a lesson on the thing, but it should be one of the lessons is that, you know, there are ways to set up your business, your life for ways that work for you. So if you don't want that 2 a.m. phone call that the toilet's clogged, well, then you can hire a property manager and then just make sure you work all those numbers to make sure that the numbers still work. Okay, this is interesting. So this is going to be a bonus lesson right at the beginning because I wonder how many people want to start a photography business or grow a business. And there's this one thought 
Mm-hmm. that prevents them from moving forward. So my one thought about real estate is I don't want the 2am call. Because I have that thought and I don't even question how to work around it, I just don't do it. I don't take any action. And then the result is I have no rental house, right? Right, right. But if I took the time to talk it out with you and you said, Heather, what, what's the fear? And I said, 2am phone calls. And then you explained to me this thing about property management. I'd be like, oh, I didn't I guess I guess I knew that was a thing, but I just never, I didn't I don't know I didn't think about it. So in regards to a photography business, I want everyone to ask themselves, what is the thought that you're not even questioning? And this could be photography business or learning the craft, whatever it is that you want to do that you haven't done yet or you haven't started on. What's the one thing that you feel like is the main roadblock holding you back? Oh, good question. What is the main roadblock or the biggest challenge that is preventing you from moving forward? And could could we chat about it and just question it? Like, is that actually true? You know, a really easy example of this is when someone says, oh, Heather, you don't understand my market. People won't pay that. And so they just don't move forward with maybe IPS. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, or another one is IPS takes too much time. Yeah, right. And right. I don't want it. So they never even explore the possibility because of this one thought that blocks literally everything. This is so fascinating. And it, what's even more interesting is this was not on our agenda at all. <laughs> Nope. Nope. As most things go with our conversations, (laughs) we go down some rabbit holes. There's one more example that I just feel like I have to pull out for you. Okay. And that is your belief that turning your business to file as an S Corp will be hard. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, my friend. So recently my accountant, Nicole and I share an accountant, which is actually very convenient because we have similar businesses and they're, they're a little bit different than his traditional brick and mortar. So it's actually really helpful. But I spoke to him recently and he said, Heather, it's, he's been telling me for a couple of years, but he's like, no, really, it's time. If you switch to an S Corp, you will save this amount of money in taxes. Like, and it doesn't make sense for everyone to go to an S Corp, right? It depends on your growth and where you're at. It just makes sense for me. I'm an LLC right now. And he showed it to me and I immediately you know, got on the phone with you and I'm like, I'm all, I'm all dejected. And I'm like, this is going to be so hard, Nicole. I don't know how it's going to be complicated. This is challenging. It's just one more thing I have to do. What do you mean I have to set up payroll? I've never done payroll. I don't know how to do that. This litany of excuses and reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Like Heather, it is one form you print off from the IRS website and you sign and you mail to them. And then it is um, just setting up payroll for something super easy like Gusto that literally takes... 10 minutes. And you know, I don't know if I am proud or embarrassed to say that I actually (laughs) took this situation to my coach. So I have a coach (laughs) and, um, it was, it was great. I I mean, I got some great advice and the coach asked me, you know, what is the problem or what is the circumstance? Well, it's an S corp. And he said, what are you thinking about it? I said, this is going to be really hard. And then when you feel like something's going to be hard, you don't take action because you feel like crap. Right. Right. And so then nothing happens. And, you know, this is what got me when he said, hard is a choice. Challenging, Mm. difficult, that's a choice. Are there going to be a few steps involved to make this change? Sure. You have a team to help you. You have resources. But You have your best friend, Nicole, to be like, hey, how do I do this? (laughs) Not only do I have you, I have you with our accountant. Yeah, right. 
There's just no. Plus, we have the interwebs. I mean, yes. I can I can search anything. And um, just what shameless plug. And you need to go listen to it too. Yesterday in the Hair of the Dog Academy, I hosted a call with Tiffany Bastian, who is an enrolled agent for the IRS. She helps photographers with their taxes. And we had a whole big, long conversation about S-Corps. So, <gasps> no kidding. Okay, I will definitely watch do that. that replay. <laughs> so anyway, my coach pointed out to me that challenging or hard or difficult or easy for that matter is a choice. What choice do you want to make? And I was like, uh-huh, okay, here we go. So what I did that day was I reached out to our accountant and I said, essentially, and I quote, let's go. <laughs> let's, let's go. Do it. Let's make it happen. And I am trusting myself and that I have you and him as a resource. And that it's just, well, I'll tell you how he got me was he showed me the number. Well, Yeah. And he was like, you're paying this much more in taxes than you would need to pay if you were filing this as an S-Corp. And I said, dang. And he said, do you plan to grow your business? And I said, I want to double it next year. And he said, well, do you want to double your tax spend or not? (laughs) I love having people in my life resources. This is an important message. Really, you shouldn't try to go this alone. Like it doesn't make oh, sense. Hold on, you're getting ahead to lesson four. That's all right. We'll start. We'll reorder. Let's go. So let's go. Let's start yeah. with lesson number one. Okay. Previously known as lesson number four. It's like Francie okay. has a, just a like fancy symbol now for this right. lesson. <laughs> um. Anyway, which is to seek the advice of experts when you are working on something new. So for the rental property, uh, I didn't just go out and buy a property by myself. Like I had a realtor and the, how I found this realtor was that, um, you know, I was looking into, do we want to do a long-term rental? Do we want to do a corporate short-term rental? So it's like a medium term rental. Um, and I was looking on Airbnb because you can search Airbnb for 30 to 60 plus day rentals, which are more like these corporate furnished rentals. And, um, I found this cute little house in Kannapolis, which is where we were looking to purchase our rental home. And the person that owned the house was a realtor and she had a couple other things too. I'm like, Oh, this is my girl. And so I contacted her and because I knew she knew investments, it wasn't just, you know, you need a little bit of a different realtor for somebody that's looking for an investment potential than, you know, your single family home sure. you're going to live in. So yeah. So I found her and it was pretty funny. She's like, how did you find me? I'm like, well, I was going through Airbnb and then I saw your listing and then I saw you a realtor and then I figured you and I looked you up and this and that. She's like, oh my God, I love the story. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're a I detective. Promise, yeah. I promise I'm not a stalker. Um, but then Small World, she stopped by. I had to get something to her from her at some point. Um, maybe a check for closing or something. But she was going to swing by and pick it up at the barn where I keep my horses. Barn, not bar. Everyone thinks I always say at the bar. Really? I like chocolate martinis, but I don't spend that much time at the bar. That's usually on my own porch. But anyway, (laughs) she stopped by and she used to ride horses and she used to horse show at the barn where my horses live now. No kidding. Small world. Yeah, small world. But it's nice to make that connection. Okay, so you sought out someone to help you make a decision on how you were going to structure excuse me, structure this rental, correct? Yes. Yeah. So the realtor and then also a property manager, um, because the property manager knows 
what the rental prices are going at, like who the typical tenant is, like all the different things. What is, you know, I asked the property manager, hey, do I need to put a washer dryer in there? They're like, no, they bring their own. Like, great. (laughs) You know, so having, having someone, well, of course, the other expert is, of course, my contractor. (laughs) There's no way I could have done this without him. Okay, I I need to back you up just a second. You found a property manager, but see, in my mind, <laughs> and remember, Heather equals simple. <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, what do, what do you mean you found a property? Like, how does one find a property manager? I don't even know well, where to start with that. One joins a local investor uh, Facebook group mm. that is free and has lots of conversations and asks, hey, who do you guys recommend for property managers in the Canapolis area? (laughs) This is hilarious because it's literally that simple. (laughs) You just asked. (laughs) And then for my contractor, because one of the other big hangups is like, oh my gosh, I'll never find a good contractor. Like you hear all these horror stories of just working with contractors. And um, I asked my real estate agent because she had rehabbed that Airbnb that she owned and people, you know, rehab houses in this part of town all the time. And she had a couple recommendations for me. And this one guy was fantastic. And I'll 100% use him again. Oh, my gosh. Do you feel like you hit the jackpot with that one? Yes. Because I don't know what it's like in Charlotte, but in Pittsburgh right now, it is impossible to find a decent contractor. At least I hear this from my friends who are doing different renovations yes. that like they don't get back to you and you you can't even you literally can't even find someone to pay to do work for you. Right. right. No, it's very challenging. And then finding someone that you trust. Right. Um, especially when you're running a rehab where you're not going to be on site very often. Right. Um, yeah. So. Okay, so lesson number one, seeking advice from our experts, which in photography is, you know, (laughs) not trying to do this by yourself, because guess what? There's lots of people that have been there. And whether you choose to get your education for myself or Heather or somebody else, like, I don't care who you choose. Find a mentor that you connect with and seek help. Yes. It, it's just not not smart or prudent or a wise use of your time to do otherwise, because you will spin your wheels for months, if not years. And worse than that is you'll always be wondering if you're getting good advice. Like if you search right. the internet or YouTube, right? You're always like, well, I mean, that's what they're saying. How, how can I be sure that that's correct? I think finding an expert means seeking out someone that you trust, that you mm-hmm. know, you you can ask them questions and, and maybe join a group. I just, I I remember when I first started, I was so headstrong, stubborn, prideful, and I was just going to do everything on my own. I was just going to figure all of this out. Well, I learned really quickly that being on an Island is no fun. Right. Right. Yeah. And you're just, you're just going to make mistakes that, okay, you're going to make mistakes no matter what, but why make the ones you could have avoided? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. For sure. And, you know, as you're looking to figure out who you want to help you along this journey, the one kind of red flag that I recommend that people look out for is looking for mentors that help you create your business that fits for you. So if you ever run into somebody that's telling you it has to be done this one way, yes, like, I would keep looking because yes, if someone's saying, well, this is the best practice. Okay. No, that's legit. That's a best practice, but it doesn't mean you have to do it that way. There is no one size fits all solution 
for craft or business in the photography world or really any world. <laughs> I I could not agree more. And the way I teach something like pricing is people will say, well, do you teach IPS or digital? And I say, I, I don't care how you sell your photos. There's a million different ways. There are many hybrid models in between. I will never tell you that you have to do it. Actually, I got to tell you, years ago, you opened my eyes to this concept. This was you. This was you that did this. Oh. And I'm just now putting this all together. And it it seems silly, but it was Lightroom. So yeah. I was teaching everyone how to organize their photos on their hard drive. And I was, I was, I didn't say it was for everyone, but I was pretty hardcore convinced that it was, the, <laughs> that it was the best way. <laughs> and you said to me, actually, I do it this way, or maybe it was importing. I don't know. It was yeah, something yeah. around Lightroom. And you said, I do it this way. And of course I respect you. And I'm like, okay, Nicole does it that way. And it works for her. Is it possible that there are multiple ways to achieve this? And something flipped for me, this was years ago, that I thought, oh man, I've got to make sure that when I'm teaching or mentoring, I'm keeping possibilities open and allowing people to be creative in their own right with their approach to their business and their craft. Mm -hmm. That by, you know, setting standards or like, you know, this is the way you do it did not serve them. And, uh, and it was that event, the Lightroom event. Isn't that funny? I just now put that together. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're very welcome. Okay. You're very welcome. Um, all right. Well, that kind of dovetails into number two, which is going to be mistakes are going to happen. <laughs> oh, for sure. So tell me about some of your mistakes. Oh my goodness. Let's talk about how many times I had to return things to Home Depot because I ordered the wrong size or the wrong finish, you know, there, I mean, a very costly mistake actually turned out to be uh, after the house was done just over the past couple weeks. Uh, our tenant moved in October 15th. And shortly thereafter, within like two weeks, like all the sewage was backing up. And <gasps> So we're like, See, then why is it always oh. the sewage? Why? <laughs> I know. So lesson learned that, you know, and I was like, what the heck? I'm talking to my property manager. I'm like, we replaced all the plumbing. Like there is all new plumbing in the whole house. Guess what we didn't replace? Oh, the main sewer line from the house to the road, um, which is cast iron. It should be fine, but we should have. And next time I will make sure that that line is clean before we've like closed up the house and finished that up because this house was vacant for almost two years before we started to rehab it. So nothing has been going through that sewer line for years. And there was a root ball in it that we had oh, to, you know, okay. install the clean out and then flush that line. And thankfully we don't have to totally re dig and like re put in that new line. Um, we were able to fix it, but it was still a several thousand dollar fix. <laughs> oh, shoot, man. So next time you'll just what send a camera down there to make sure. Yeah, the we'll just clear. we'll just uh, yeah, when when we're rehabbing the house, we will just go ahead and just double check that that to make sure it is good. Then <laughs> thankfully, there was no damage inside the house. And it was just kind of backed up in the tub. And you know, <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, that is always a pleasant. sewer. Yeah, uh -huh. right. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, lots of mistakes. But again, it a mistake is just an opportunity to learn, learn. and yeah. to start again with more information next time. So when we do this again, because it actually was really, really fun. I like, I loved seeing the, it's kind of like when you edit a photo, right? It's like this kind of underwhelming raw image. And then you have your final image and you're like, I can't believe I turned that into this. Amazing. This is amazing. And so it's like that with that house. It was like this old dated, just, you know, like 
really dated. I mean, I'm talking there was like a 1950s stove in there, like a Westinghouse, like just antique. Yeah, but Um, they last forever, man. It was still working. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, yeah. So like being able to take it from this house that was kind of like, mm, you know, feeling very, very sad and dated and just really not clean (laughs) Um, to this beautiful place that I'm like, man, I would totally live here. Yeah. So you're, you're saying like, you're going to make mistakes and quote failures are going to happen and you're going to learn and you'll be at a better place and you'll move forward. I want to say that somebody said to me the other day, they were, it was, um, it was either on a coaching call or elevate. They said they were so frustrated because they're like, I I made mistakes. Right. And now it's like, I'm starting over. I can't believe I have to start over. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not starting over because you're Uh not going, you're not at the same point. You're not going back. You're going forward from a new reference point. And actually just talking her through that shifted her. She was so distraught, like frustrated about this concept of starting over. When I helped her reframe it to new reference point, she felt great. And then guess what she did? She just moved forward. She took action and got it done. It's just the thinking around that that kind of like sends us sort of sideways. You're not starting over. Any misstep is still helping you to move forward. Yes, 100%. hundred percent. Yep. Okay, great. Yep. Yep. All right. Number three, Number three, things take time and they're going to take more time when you're learning them. Mm. I don't want it to take time. I want it to happen right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You don't have a choice there, Heather. It will get (laughs) faster. You know, I think back to when you first started like learning Photoshop and editing photos. And how long, like, how long did it take you to edit your first wedding? Oh, my gosh. It, it, I I wish I knew the real answer to this, but I, I have to say it was months. I'm not kidding. <laughs> it like, took a long time. Yeah. Right, right. And now, I mean, the most recent wedding you shot, when, when you have all your workflows, you have just your routine, you know what you're doing, you know what you're, what you want to do to these images. It's like, boom, you can knock that out. Eight hours. Actually, I, I did time it. I started timing everything at one point. And so I had 3000 images from a wedding. I delivered uh six, 650, I believe. And it took me eight hours. I timed it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. As a porch photographer, that seems really, really long, but I've never shot that many images from one session. (laughs) Yeah. My goal when working with portrait and pet photographers is I'm like, listen, you should have every single one of those sessions edited in an hour. Yep. That's my goal. One hour. hour. If there's a lot of, uh, yeah, like, you know, there is one actually that had, uh, I think I had 65 images total as two dogs that, Every single one had a leash because I had to be on leash. So that actually took me hardly any time because I outsourced it. (laughs) You got help. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, no, as you learn, it becomes so much faster. So just, just keep on, keep on doing it because I wonder if it's the only way to really get faster. That's true. It's practice. Right. So I wonder if people could reframe this instead of thinking, Oh my gosh, this is taking so long. I'm so slow. If you could say to yourself, I'm learning and this is actually the slowest I'll ever be Mm -hmm. like right now in this moment is the slowest I'll ever be. I will continually improve and get faster. So instead of being, you know, all, 
downtrodden about it, you could be hopeful. You could just shift the the emotion to wait, I'm I'm going to get faster. I mean, there listen, as long as you continue to shoot and edit, everything's going to get faster, easier, more efficient, you'll be more effective. Everything is going to improve. Isn't that exciting? Couldn't you look forward to that instead of saying, oh my gosh, I'm the worst. I'm so slow. Heather, you don't understand. This takes me so long. Uh, Okay, let's clean up your thinking around that and just focus on how much better you're getting. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And um, number four, kind of similar. And that is, we started to touch on this at the very beginning, but don't wait until you know how to do something, right? So mm-hmm. like you can't wait to start to remove a leash until you like know all of the different techniques and know all <laughs> of the different things. Like, no, learn something and just go, yes. <laughs> just start. You know, when I started this, uh, this whole little rehab, one of the reasons actually we chose this house is we're like, oh, I think it's just some cosmetic rehab. <laughs> <laughs> think it's a full on like you know like because you see some of these houses where it's like there's a hoarder that was living in there like it is disgusting it is like a full gut renovation job and i'm like i can't handle that for my first reno (laughs) turns out guess what i got oh knob and tube wiring oh really old plumbing oh all the things new roof like literally everything Everything. Mm -hmm. the only thing that wasn't replaced was the air conditioner and the hvac still worked great so (laughs) thumbs up for that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like if I had waited till I knew all this, I would have never done this. Oh, oh, that's such a good concept, Nicole. Actually, I just recorded a video in Elevate around this idea of how do I do that? Like, Mm -hmm. how do I start a business? How do I rent a house? How do I do that? And you're waiting till you know how so that you can do how, but the how is actually learned through the action that you Mm -hmm. take. The how is only ever revealed through action and result. Mm -hmm. So um, I actually instituted a new rule in Elevate recently. (laughs) They're not allowed to ask how. Oh, Okay, I'm being funny, but uh, no, but sometimes serious. They'll say, you know, how do I meet people? Uh, what do you, what do you mean? You go meet people. Like, how do you how do you learn how to gut a house and rent it? You have to do it. You right. know what this reminds me of? Um, our mentor told a similar metaphor, which is like I could give you a book diagrams and videos on how to swim. But until your ass is in the water, it's not going to matter, right? I could teach you about buoyancy and how to breathe and all of those things. But until you're thrown in the water, that's when you learn how to swim. I don't know how to ride a unicycle. Right, right. (laughs) But if you gave me a unicycle, I got to really get my hands on one because I use this. I use this a couple times. Are you going to get one of like the really, no, that's a, that has two wheels, the big wheel. I was thinking the old fashioned big wheel bike. Right, right, right. You riding around your homestead on that. (laughs) Can you imagine? Followed by all your chickens. Oh my word. But (laughs) you know, I just think to myself, if I wanted to learn how to ride a unicycle, I would just have to get on it. Right, right. So the how is only ever revealed through the doing. So you have to take the action to do it. So if you are waiting to learn and know everything, that's just a fool's errand because you'll be waiting forever. It'll never happen. Right, right. And, you know, when you use this one in conjunction with number one, seeking the advice from experts, oh, it works really, really well because things would happen 
in the house, like for instance, <laughs> that wall would not be straight at all. And then the, the um, countertop was supposed to go to the wall, but it looked ridiculous because it was totally bowed out. And oh, our contractor's gosh. like, Hey, we have this problem. And he's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, what are our options? <laughs> How about you fix it? Like, I don't know. Right. So then he would show me my options. And I'm like, what would you recommend? Okay, great. Let's do that. So, and the whole time I'm, I'm learning these things, but there's no way, like you can't even see right. what potential pitfalls are going to come up. Um, right. You know, like you don't actually know the state of the house until you start pulling back some walls and you're like, Oh, look at that termite damage. Okay. Let's replace some of those, some of those beams. <laughs> okay. But let me ask you this because there are people who say like, Oh, okay. Those people are me. <laughs> it would say, I don't know how to, to buy, to gut, to do a rental house. Like, I don't know how to do all of that. And the reason I'm saying that is because I've never done it. Right. But the thing is, you had never done it either. So how did you get past this idea of like, I don't know how to do this. I mean, I know I can figure it out and get help, but I don't know. What was, what was like at your core thinking that propelled you to actually make the purchase? Well, it's easy. It's looking forward to the end result. Mm. And knowing that what this rental house will do for future retirement, for just future income, just knowing what the what the goal was. So you and set your goal, eyes on the vision. Yeah. Yeah. My goal was to have other streams of income for retirement. So I'm not just beholden to whatever the market's doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that was okay. easy. Once you're clear on that vision. It's either uh, hell yes, I want to do this or uh, meh, it's not worth all this effort. And this was a mm. hell yes. So, I mean, no matter what kind of uh, roadblocks came up, I was going to figure it out. Okay, but hang on. I think there's another component here because you had your eye on the vision, which is really smart because then you can figure out the how. But there also had to be some level of trust in yourself or belief that you could figure it out. Hmm. Because yeah. it wouldn't matter to the vision. If I thought I couldn't do it, I wouldn't do it. Right. Right. Yeah. No, there probably is, uh, you know, and I think having that experience with our house in Alabama and seeing the, um, the increase in equity that it's created and the, just the monthly income that it creates from what we ended up putting into that. It's just like, Oh no, we need, we need more of these. So like, you know, we got our feet wet with that. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, that helps give you a little bit of confidence. And quite frankly, you know, you can go to the worst case scenario. It's like, what's the worst case scenario? Oh, I buy a house and I have to resell it. You know, maybe, maybe you lose a little bit of money, but quite frank, you know, that everything's appreciating here so quickly that like we could have sold it at any point during the construction process and probably not lost money on it. Right, right. Actually, I would take that one step further. I love this idea. I was teaching it yesterday around worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you can emotionally digest the worst case scenario, such as I I would just have to sell it. Or in the case of a photography business, I I go back to a job, right? That's the worst case scenario. Actually, I don't think that's the worst case scenario. I think the worst case scenario is a feeling. And Mm. that's what we're trying to avoid. So you sell the house, you go back to work, whatever it is, you feel disappointed. 
right? If the worst case scenario is not a circumstance because they're neutral, that's just what it is. If the worst case scenario is I'm going to feel disappointed, uh, sign me up. I, I mean, I can handle that, right? The worst case scenario is a feeling, right? Well, and then on the contrary side of that, the worst case scenario of not moving forward, it is, is it is this feeling of regret, which is stronger than a feeling of like, oh, I messed that up or disappointed or that didn't work out as I had hoped. That Well said on either end of this, it's, it's a feeling, it's an emotion. Mm-hmm. So pick your emotion that you're willing to feel or possibly feel like in, and we're saying possibly because it may or may yeah. not work out. We don't know. Right. Disappointment is not a given. It's Correct. just, hey, if this doesn't work out, I like to ask myself, you know, basically, what are my options? I like to have options, sure. you know, so, <laughs> you know, if this doesn't go as planned, what are my options? Like, where, where am I, like, am I backed into a corner? Like, what's the financial or emotional or time implications from yes. whatever decision? And then also ask myself too, like, what if it all works out? Like, okay. What if that? Is is, is that worth, is that worth this, this time, these potential headaches, this potential short term stress? Yes. Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. But I, and I also think that you, knowing you believe so strongly that you're going to figure out how to make it work, that it's almost like a foregone conclusion. It is going to work. Right. Right. <laughs> because yeah. you just believe you have confidence. You believe I'll figure this out. So even though you play out that worst case scenario and you're like, okay, I have a plan for that, but that's really not going to happen because I'm going to kill it. I'm going to figure it out. I believe in myself and it's going to work. And then you actually, by doing that, even unbeknownst to yourself, free yourself up, you release yourself to all kinds of possibilities mm-hmm. just because you have the belief in yourself and the result and you've digested the worst case scenario. It's actually a really brilliant strategy. Well, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, awesome. Should we go on to lesson number five? Sure. All right. I love this one. And this is quality is worth paying for. Oh, tell us more. Oh, yeah. All right. So in this particular case, this part of town, you know, it depends on where you're where you're getting this home. This is a part of town that is getting gentrified. It was a mill town uh, until like the mid 80s. The mill shut down. You know, North Carolina had a lot of textile mills. So all the town houses around it were these mill houses that were built in the 1930s by the mill owners where the mill workers would live. And they're like super cute high ceilings, wood floors, like little 1200 square foot, little kind of bungalows. Anyway, the, when the mill closed, that town kind of took a nosedive, you know, there, there was no work, there was no job. So, you know, it was not a great part of town, but it was probably about 10 years ago. So uh, 2010 or so uh, they started to revitalize. There was actually I think the story of the town is one person kind of bought the whole downtown and was like, we're going to revitalize it. Okay. And then the, the government put in all these tax incentives. So 
the main little strip of the little downtown, which is the old mill building, was all rehabbed at the same time. So it wasn't like, you know, where most places are, it's like dilapidated store, yes. or new store, dilapidated store. It was like the whole thing was rehabbed at the same time. Then there were tax incentives for businesses to move in. And it is awesome. Oh, it it's, worked. It's beautiful because it has this old feeling because they rehab the old buildings oh, that were great. gorgeous that you can't get architecture like that anymore. They, um, you know, have seating areas along the sidewalks with music playing, like in little speakers. There's a minor league ball stadium across the street. Um, there's breweries and restaurants and shops and all sorts of fun things, ice cream stores and candy stores. And across from the baseball stadium, it's a minor league stadium, is this big giant green space for community events. They have like a research office for all the North Carolina universities. Um, the whole kind of feel of the town is like a health and wellness. So it's like this mm. nutrition and fitness research area. Um, they recently just got not approved, but all the things happen that it's moving forward that like a U.S. Olympic committee training center is moving into the area. Is that right? And it's all within, it's right next to the highway. That's like a quick 25 minutes into downtown Charlotte. And there's a train that goes through there. I mean, it is perfect. Yes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm like, this part of town is going through the roof. Um, uh, yes. It, uh, and so, we chose to invest instead of doing like, you know, normal rentals have like builder grade everything. And it's just like you walk in and it's very uninspiring. Yes. Um, where this I'm like, I'm going to I'm going to invest in a little bit higher end. Like I wasn't doing like, you know, the highest end of anything. But it was like I went to the style tile store and I got beautiful affordable tile for the showers instead of just doing like the plastic shower. You know, we got, um, it was a, just a solid dark gray granite, um, or quartz quartz, uh, countertops that, you know, instead of laminate, yes. uh, you know, we got just a really pretty white shaker, even though they were the stock cabinets, they're just really beautiful, plain, just, it, it looks really, really nice. So having that higher quality finish, allowed us to come in for our rent. It's a two bedroom, um, but allowed us to come in for our rent at just under the average three bedroom price. Oh, what is this so, price? I'm curious. Um, about 1700. Okay. Nice. Um, where the average two bedroom price is 1400. Oh, okay. So you and came in higher because you, be, <laughs> it does not surprise me that you would go with nicer face. <laughs> Come on, you're Nicole Begley. Let's go. You have higher standards and you want to make things nice. And I love that about you. I would have never thought for one singular second that you would have gone with like builder grade <laughs> anything. Come on. Oh, I love it. Here's yeah. the best part, though, is like one of the fears for that, which if you guys think we're just talking about um, rental house rehab right now, think about it in terms of products yep. and your photography. That's business. right. One of the biggest fears is that, oh, if that higher price point, I'm not going to have enough interested tenants. I don't know. Does that sound like, oh, at these higher product <laughs> prices, I'm not going to have interested clients. Um, that was actually the opposite case. There was a ton of interest in the home and it rented really, really quickly. Which is amazing. And certainly your goal, correct? 
Correct. Yeah. You want to get somebody in there as quickly as possible. So you just had this like, you have really good instincts though. You're like, I know I need to make this nicer. I know you're, that's one instinct. Another one is this area is going to grow and it's, mm-hmm. it's going to only go up in value. That's, and by the way, I just want to say, God bless that developer who did that. Yeah. Like, that's amazing because we have a small town near us that is what you described as one building will be rehabbed, but then there's three that are just completely all the windows broken out and graffiti right. all over. The, right. You know, and they can't, they can't get the town back on its legs because of that. And so that was a brilliant move on that person's part. But anyway, yeah, the quality, quality matters. Um, have you ever seen this phenomenon where photographers will be too cheap and people won't buy them because they are you know, yes. them because they think they're well, no good. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys ever looked at plane tickets and you're like $39? Yeah. What? Like, do they maintain the plane? I don't think I want to fly on that plane. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I, there is this phenomenon where people will search for things, even products and services, especially, and they'll compare prices. And a lot of people more than you might think will actually spend more mm-hmm. on the, the, the higher quality item. Because right. they understand that you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how many times have my parents always told me there's no such thing as a free lunch uh, and like you get what you pay for. And when something seems too good to be true, it often it is. is. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that believe in that, that mindset. So if you have this like beautiful work and you're like, oh, it's all $25. Like people are like, huh? No. Besides the fact that you're just going to be completely burnt out and exhausted. <laughs> Right, right. Don't do that. Um, But yeah, so one of the things that goes along with that, though, you know, it's it's, you can't just have these beautiful, gorgeous price uh, products and higher prices and be like, that's good. Right. They're just going to come to me. Right. The missing piece of that puzzle is really dialing into your messaging and that connection with your ideal client. Absolutely. Getting into the brain of your ideal client of what do they value and and then sharing that. So that's kind of what I was thinking of here when we were doing those nicer finishes. I'm like, all right, who is my ideal client? And my ideal client was somebody that's going to be coming in to work at the Olympics training center, somebody that's doing working at that research center, maybe somebody that's working at, um, you know, the baseball area or potentially someone that is working in downtown Charlotte that, you know, wants to get a little bit more for their money and wants a walkable experience. Cause our little mill house is walkable to this little downtown. That's that amazing. Non, yes. That was a non-negotiable for me. And, you know, getting a pet friendly rental is challenging. Mm. Um, so of course, my house is <laughs> Hello. <pet friendly>. um, <laughs> right. we have luxury vinyl, so it's all waterproof floors. Um, and the originally the property manager posted like 35 pounds or less. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm fine with any dog. <laughs> like <laughs> I love like, all dogs, <laughs> Yes, any dog. And, um, and so, yeah, so our tenant has a pet and, um, you know, and, and so, it was getting into the mind of like envisioning Mm. who I wanted to be in that space and then building that space for that person. So smart. So we can do that for our photography business too. Like who is your client? And it's not just someone with the dog, like someone that has a dog that keeps their dog chained up outside their backyard is not your client. Right. Even though they have a dog, your dog is somebody that like this morning I sat on the couch and Cammie jumped up and she cuddled with me and She's only allowed on my one couch. Okay. Um, so I sit on that couch often when we want to cuddle. Um, but anyway, like your ideal client, someone that's like, Hey, what are we doing this weekend? Oh, we're taking the dog, whatever. Like I went to Thanksgiving. I took my dog with me. Like 
get more into the the brain, the mindset of the feelings of your client than just like, oh, they have a dog and they'll pay for nice things. Right. <laughs> right. You have to dial that in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You there has to be some strategy behind that rather than just saying, I'm gonna do everything for anybody who has a dog. Also, I want to relate this to hiring or participating in a group or hiring a coach or mentor. Mm-hmm. I pay, and I know you pay a mm-hmm. lot of money to be in groups and to learn from other people. And here's the thing. If you hire someone and you pay $11 <laughs> to work with them, okay, I'm being funny because I'm th- actually thinking of Udemy, and, which, which I like that platform. Right, right. So not, there are certain things. There's right, certain things right. that are great for a quick like, hey, I just need to learn this one easy skill. Correct. Like, okay. Correct. Uh, Yeah. When you're working with someone on building your business, I mean, I think it just behooves you to look out, look for a quality leader, teacher, mentor, coach. And if you're spending a hundred dollars, here's the truth. I don't care where you're at with your money. If you're spending a hundred dollars to work with someone, you're not going to fully trust them. You're not going to fully buy into what they are teaching you or the strategies they're sharing because somewhere in your brain, it might be in the background, you're thinking, well, they're only $100. Like, why would they only be $100? When mm-hmm. you start dropping <laughs> thousands of dollars on training, well, usually it's a higher quality training and you're going to bring a different energy when mm, you're spending that's it. Too. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, if I show, if I spend a hundred dollars to work with someone, my energy is like, Oh, maybe I'll show up. Maybe I'll be late. Maybe I'll take it seriously. Maybe I won't. But when I spend thousands, which I do, Oh my gosh, my rear end is in the chair, ready to go on time. Teach me everything. Let's go because I will make it worth my investment just by the way I show up in the energy that I bring. So I wanted to add that as well. This spans all, all things, all areas. I mm-hmm. love that you were using the lessons from the rental house and we could draw all of these parallels to photography business, but it's true with everything in life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let me recap those one more time. So our lesson number one, previously known as lesson number four, <laughs> is seek advice from experts. Uh, lesson number two is mistakes will happen. Use that as an opportunity to start from a place of new knowledge. Uh, number three, things take time and they're going to take more time when you're learning. Number four, don't wait to start until you know how to do it. You're going to learn as you implement. Number five, quality is often worth paying for. Let's go. Except if it's a handbag. Oh, we yeah, we do have issues with the handbags. <laughs> Sorry, there's sure. somebody out there that finds value in the handbag. That's fine. You can no judgment. Quality handbag, and they're probably like, you guys, the leather's so much better. There's better pockets. <laughs> Yeah, but I put it on the floor of a restaurant. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I, yeah, no, the handbags will never make sense to me. That's okay. Everybody has their thing. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys found this really helpful. I loved um, talking about this uh, and, you know, let's, uh, let's all get Heather on the rental house train one of these days too. (laughs) It's actually, I mean, it has been on my list of thoughts, you know, being friends with you. How could it not be? (laughs) <laughs> but um, 
you know, I have so many hangups about like borrowing money to make money and you have, oh my gosh, I get, I can do that on a small scale. I'm practicing that muscle, but to drop, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to do, it's like, oh my gosh, it's just currently beyond my capacity to comprehend. However, one of my new affirmations mantras I say is I am increasing my capacity for complexity. I love that one. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Cause here's the, the cool thing about real estate investing. I mean, there's ways to do it with very little, if no money down, like, you know, there's, See, you say this, there's, and I'm like, Oh, seller financing, because so many of these deals happen just from person to person. They don't go through the MLS. They're not on the market. Right. Um, and so you don't have to have traditional financing and you don't have to buy a house for cash. Sometimes it's someone that's retiring and they're like, you know, I know I'm, you know, I'm getting older. Like I, I have all this equity tied up in this house, but they will, instead of selling it through like the MLS, they'll find another investor that they'll do seller financing. So they draw all up legally with a lawyer. Um, and you basically, they're the bank, you're paying them monthly and then you're getting more, you know, you're, you they're basically just the bank and you're paying them. And if you default, they still own their house, right. <laughs> you know? Um, so it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, so you rattle all of that. You rattle everything off. Like it is so straightforward and simple. No, you just do this. And I'm, I'm sitting here. I think that drool is starting to leak out of my mouth because I'm like, my brain just goes like into like, see, that's so complex. And but I'm increasing my capacity for complexity. So just just be patient with me <laughs> I will, <laughs> because I will. you explain it and it makes sense. I'm like, yeah, OK. I mean, I know the English language. I can understand what you're saying. But beyond that, my brain starts to go like, oh, my gosh, that sounds like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, I love okay, it. Thank you. <laughs> More conversations. All right, guys. I hope you guys found this helpful. Um, let us know at flourish.academy on is it just wait, is it Flourish Academy one word on Instagram? Yes, correct. Okay. Yes. Flourish Academy one word on Instagram and at Nicole Bagley official on Instagram. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Um, if you want to talk real estate, I'm always game for that too, because I think it's super fun. And um, yeah, we'll see you next week. You guys have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Hair of the Dog podcast. This was episode number 170. If you want to check out the show notes for access to any of the resources that we mentioned, simply go to www.hairofthedogacademy.com slash 170. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hair of the Dog podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please take a minute to leave a review. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our upcoming episodes. One last thing. If you are ready to dive into more resources, head over to our website at www.hairofthedogacademy.com. Thanks for being a part of this pet photography community.